I saw your be good baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's be good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fiber, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today. Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Tolam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Yatakshet Horan Grevan, Orkar son, Elis Duhalagus Kiminefracht, Gor Klixar Dukashen Echor. Only Ven own. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello, and you're welcome to the Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler. Now, luminaries such as Tom Brady, Kendall Jenner, and Paris Hilton have been paid $5 million to sign over their likeness which involved up to six hours of studio time to record reactions and poses. And they have been paid by Meta under a new program for AI personas, Meta's new AI personas. To discuss this news, as well as where AI will take us, I'm joined in studio by an expert in AI who's also up for a young AI role model award. And he's the founder of taxbot.ie, Connor Kelly. Hi, Adrian. Good to be on. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? Great, great. You confident for the awards? Yeah, I'm confident. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I, it's been a big year in AI, and I've been ma- I've made sure to sort of make the most of it. And I've used large language models in a, a variety of use cases. Tax being sort of the most effective one, and it's the one that I'm working on at the moment. Uh, we're we're solving like AI tax for tax advisory for the Irish tax se- sector with artificial intelligence. Rock and roll, man. Yeah. And, uh, Say all your mates of... are jealous. <laughs> yeah, you weren't sure uh, tapped up by uh, Sam Altman to join him at uh, Microsoft, were you? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. But I, I did actually meet Sam um, in UCL just after the launch of ChatGPT during the year. And I must say, you know, what's happening is is a huge surprise to the entire industry. And having met him, he's one of like one of the most genuine and sort of kindest sort of tech executives I've I've ever come across. And I think it's a it's a developing story for sure. And I don't think the end of it is is over yet. We're gonna we're gonna see a lot of. Well, he's been hired by Microsoft. You saw that he's been hired by Microsoft. But what what we've seen is that there's sort of been an internal rebellion in OpenAI, which he's very sympathetic towards. And it's kind of happening out in the open on Twitter. If you actually look in, it's um, there's there's things trending from OpenAI saying OpenAI is nothing without its people. And he's he's sharing it. And I think what he's signed for Microsoft now, but let's see what happens in the coming weeks because it seems like it's a very volatile situation. Yeah, a bunch of them have followed him to Microsoft. Yes, they have, yes. And... You know, then that calls into question, should OpenAI just sort of retract? It's Just before we go into uh, Meta's AI personas and mm. indeed taxpotter.e, just remind listeners why OpenAI and ChatGPT, why they're so important. Why, why do we sp- spend, spend so much attention on them? 
Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. So I mentioned I uh, met Sam in UCL during uh, it was it was about last May, and Sam he said something very interesting at the time. He said, um, "What we've achieved is we've created an algorithm which um, can understand the world when you give it the world in text input." Okay, and basically says the more information we give it, the better it understands the world, the smarter it gets. He said this is such a huge breakthrough in technology that it should be celebrated like something the equivalent to the moon landing, for instance, that he actually said that there. And I think that quite well encapsulated how important this is because it's not that we have this chat GPT, this chatbot where you can go, you can get it to write a poem, you can get it to write code, you can get it to tell a story. That's that's that, Those are really cool use cases, but that's really not like the, the, the fundamental change is that we've created a system where if you give it information, it starts to understand the world and the more information you give it, the smarter it gets. And we're at the very beginning of that. So the reason it's such a big deal is because we're going to give it a lot more information. We're going to find out better ways to train it. We're going to give it more computing power. And the assumption is that if the trajectory is anything like it's been to date, it's going to get exceptionally intelligent and, as most experts believe, um, exceed uh, human intelligence by orders of magnitude. Wow. And Sam Altman is considered to be important to this because why? He was the architect at uh, sort of OpenAI. So OpenAI was founded as sort of a research organization in uh, 2015. And it was founded by, you know, uh, titans of Silicon Valley. You had Elon Musk, Peter Thiel put money in. And Sam himself was also, has always been a big name in Silicon Valley. He was previously president of Y Combinator, which is the mo- like one of the biggest um, incubators in the world, brought like Airbnb, Stripe and stuff out to the market. So um, Sam was president there for a while. And he sort of just oversaw the development of ChatGPT. ChatGPT came from sort of GPT-3, which was the, one of the major breakthroughs in large language models. So prior prior to, say, GPT-3, which would have been like 2020, 2021, no one believed that large language models was a pathway to artificial intelligence. This large language models is effectively just training a system based on text information rather than images and, and other data points. So it's purely just text. And even all the researchers, the top universities in the world, you could have went to Stanford, you could have went to Carnegie Mellon, these, um, they were not working on large language models. It was purely being done in sort of niche labs in OpenAI and um, Meta and some places like that. But um, Sam Altman sort of oversaw that development and backed large language models as a path forward to artificial intelligence. And clearly they were right. And then they were able to push OpenAI out onto the world and turn it into a small research organization which had about 300 people prior to ChatGPT to now a tech giant effectively worth over 90 billion. They have operations here. They have operations in London, in America. They have they have like a global, you know, they have a global footprint and it's, it's going to be a tech giant. Um, and I think, the, and so Sam, Sam oversaw all of that. But I also think what's really interesting now is the reason why things have gone south at OpenAI is because they maintained the same governance structure that they had initially when they were an organization group, which was it's a nonprofit entity with the stated objective of like the safe implementation of AGI. And at the very top level, there's only uh, five people on the board. So three of them decided against, uh, they must have decided against Sam. And, and ousted the chair as well, Greg Brockman. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. And Greg, and I think Greg then left as well. Um, so it's just interesting because you'd never see this kind of a governance structure at a $100 billion tech giant. Mm. You know? Which it is, although it's a non-profit. And I've seen Elon Musk complaining from time to time. It, 
I wrote a massive check for this as a nonprofit. Isn't this supposed to be a nonprofit? Why are we talking about it as being valued at ninety billion dollars or whatever? It's really interesting. So if you there's, there's a map, someone posted a map on Twitter of the governance structure, and it's effectively it's it's a bunch of different corporations tied together. There is a profit um, component to it, and Microsoft owns forty nine percent of that of that entity, and that entity is is largely what we interact with when we use ChatGPT and we, we pay OpenAI and stuff like that. And that is a for profit entity. Ha- there are some clauses in place. I think uh, like the maximum return any investor can make is like a hundred times their money and stuff. I'm not quite sure how they come to these arrangements, um, but the 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 significance of it is that Microsoft had no idea about Sam being fired because Microsoft on 49% of the for-profit entity, which is owned by a non-profit entity, um, which has like uh, ownership stake 51%, and they they call the shots. And it's bizarre that because they've now hired Sam Altman and several of the OpenAI folks have gone over with him to Microsoft for a new AI research entity in Microsoft. Ugh, I mean, in theory, you're thinking these two things are going to be Competing with each other. Yeah. So this this is my prediction as of as of today. Now, like I said, it's a very deve- it's a developing situation. Things can change really quickly. Sam could end up being back at OpenAI by the end of the week. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> but given who knows what's going to happen, right? But wow. given given where we're at now, I would imagine if they do go into Microsoft and create this AI team and start putting out models and training models. Um, first of all, they're they're significantly behind OpenAI. Sam has given OpenAI such a great head start that it's going to be it's going to be hard to catch up. That's for sure. But let's just say they do catch up. What's going to happen then is you're gonna you're probably going to see OpenAI push towards actually open sourcing their models in order to compete more effectively with Microsoft. Because you, you'd imagine Microsoft will have a lot more resources to pour into this. And well, they are the ones who provide the compute, aren't yeah, they? For, exactly. For OpenAI as it is. Yeah. Largely. Yeah. So with Altman there within the company, you would think they now have a lot of the elements to really... Yeah, Nailed exactly. It. And they also have 49% of that of for-profit AI, entity. Which so is a nice hedging bet. Yes. And by the way, kudos to Satya Nadella uh, of Microsoft, who you couldn't imagine a previous CEO of Microsoft stepping in so quickly, so decisively, and so opportunistically and yeah. opportunely to take on Sam Alton. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. A really, yeah. really good move. Yeah, 48 hours, and it was done before the market's open. Incredible. Yeah. I could talk about this all day. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some other stuff. Meta's AI personas. What are Meta's AI personas? So Meta released at its Meta Connect um, event, it, they basically released these clones of influential figures that we know, sort of Mr. Beast, Kendall Jenner, etc. And they, di- they didn't release them under the brand Mr. Beast. They gave it, there must have been a clause in the contract or something to, they used other aliases. However, it is, you know, Mr. Beast, it's his face, etc. And what I believe they've done is they fine-tuned their models to as- effectively replicate the personas of these celebrities. So when you go on to uh, Meta's new this new service, it's actually embedded in their social media app, so you can do it in WhatsApp and you can integrate it into Instagram. You can go on and you can have a talk, a chat with Mr. Beast, talk to him about you know some of his videos, his future plans, ask him for advice, and yeah, you could sit there and talk to him 24-7 uh, on Meta. So that okay. that's how yeah. So that, that that's what it is now. And then they interestingly announced that they're going to have an AI studio, which allows anyone to create a clone of or an AI character um, of their choosing. So you could imagine, Adrian, you could have a clone on Meta in the AI studio. You know, I could have a clone. 
And I think what they're really trying to do is they're trying to get all the influencers they have on their platform to clone themselves and essentially create a new revenue stream for both them and for Meta by offering, you know, personalized services around the clock. It's a really interesting idea. Um, how do they get these stars to sign over their likenesses? It's just the, I suppose it's the promise of this revenue stream, right? Yeah, it, it I mean, must have been. It yeah. must have been. And I think I think it'll be obvious for other influencers when they sort of see how much money can be made using these tools. Um, I think this is a stepping stone for Meta, uh, where Mark Zuckerberg said, what what they're going to do is eventually put these AI personas into the metaverse. So he he very much views this as a sort of stepping stone. Okay, yes, you're going to have like these AI replicas in your chatbot and you're going to have them in your phone. But when we launch the metaverse and everyone has VR, you're that does have make them in sense. There. Yeah. Small things will become apparent. So be quite interesting the approach to which individuals will take if they want to clone themselves mm. for the metaverse. What is the image of themselves? They want to uh, uh, to portray. Is it realistic? Is it sort of digitally botoxed? Is it? Do they not want kind of detail? Because think about avatars. Is avatars? They've always been very vanilla and very very bland. You see an avatar mm. of somebody, and it's just a generic sort of face and hair, and there's not much of a personality about it. To know. Well, that's true, but it's avatars until this point haven't been digital extensions of your consciousness, mm. which is what this is. It's effectively getting all the components of your personality and how you um how you communicate with the outside world effectively and like putting it like modeling it with precise accuracy and then putting it out into uh the metaverse or into people's phones or whatever or whoever yeah. else it, so, it might be licensed. Any downsides to any of this? Um, yes, potentially. So I wouldn't put this on Meta. I wouldn't say the downsides are on Meta. In fact, I would say um, Meta's approach to this is probably the kind of safest and most well-thought-out approach to all of it. Right. So Mark Zuckerberg made it very clear at Meta Connect that there are um, serious like red lines and, and, and rail guarding in place to effectively make sure that if you put your brand, you clone yourself, you're a big influencer and you clone yourself on their platform, you're not going to start spouting nonsense or going off brand and stuff like that. So they, they're aware of the risks. Okay. I think when you look at AI cloning from a sort of just a big picture perspective, because this technology, it exists everywhere. It's not just Meta. Meta have like a, an advantage in that they have like a good platform and they have all the data, but anyone can really create these clones. And there are websites where you can create these clones. Um, Character AI is one which is the second most popular generative AI website after OpenAI, which is where people get ChatGPT. So it's it, and they have I think twenty billion users. Like people are really um, using this kind of stuff, right? The downside of it is that there is a potential for AI clones to really tap into emotional vulnerability in people, in that there is a loneliness epidemic around the world. There are a lot of lonely people. There are you know kids who don't have many friends. There are lots of people. There, there's many scenarios where an AI companion sort of gives a certain level, so a certain degree of comfort to uh, an individual, right, by replacing that sort of human interaction. And when that starts to come out and is monetized, and there's a commercial incentive to not only sort of provide that comfort, but also to charge people for that comfort, or even like identify opportunities where you can sort of inject an AI comp uh, companion in someone's life and start charging them, um, it can get kind of shaky. 
And my bet is that the first we, we will the people will first sort of become aware to this when you see it in, in gaming. When you see, you know, you're, obviously kids play games and. Typically, if it's if a game is you know it's rated 18, you still get 12 year olds playing it because it's just like violence or whatever, right? But these, I think those um, X ratings are going to get more serious because what's going to happen is the gaming the games themselves are going to adopt AI characters that exist within the game and then have knowledge of you and have memory of what you did before and can very feasibly be taken out of the game and put onto your phone and chat to you in the real life scenario and. Depending on who, like I would imagine, they're gonna they're gonna push it enough to the point where parents are freaking out, being like, "Why is my kid talking to this character all day?" and and then I think you're gonna see regulations and stuff be put in place. But yes, there is there is a potential downside here. Very well articulated. Um, let's move away a little bit uh, from uh, AI likenesses. Talk to me a little bit about Taxbot.ie. Yeah, so Taxbot.ie is a effectively. A, it's like ChatGPT for your taxes. So um, I, I mentioned I was in UCL. I was doing research there um, in AI, and my research was was based on this er- this area, which was like, can I get sort of all the information to do with Irish tax law and get it into sort of an AI system where you can have it on demand? Like you ask it questions, hey, if I do this, this, and that, will it affect my VAT rate? How, like how, how is this going to work? And it'll just give you that live instant tax advice because um, previously I had. I'd, I'd sort of I'd set up other businesses, and this was something I was very aware of. It was like a, a pressing need. So what I did was for my research, I sort of that's effectively what I did was I got all that tax information and structured it in a way where it accesses a large language model, and then can sort of provide you with whatever tax information you need. Right. The way it works is you give it your business information. So you give and just like public information, you just say like you're a private limited company, you have X number of employees, this is what you do, et cetera, et cetera. So it has that context. So whenever you give it a question about whatever you're doing, it will understand what you do. It'll understand it'll read the entire um, all tax law that exists in Ireland, and it'll just put the puzzle together and instantly spit out an answer for you as to um how you should proceed. Okay. This system was, um, the way I validated this system was I actually gave it the chartered accountants tax examinations. Okay, so um, these are the exams you actually take to become a, a tax advisor or chartered accountant. And it scored consistently over 80% in the exams and sort of performs in the 90th percentile of what chartered accountants can achieve. Nice. And yes, and th- this is only the first round as well. This, this uh, You can ensure that there's going to be improvements there to get it to 100%. That's uh, amazing. I mean, <clears throat> I've followed some of the developments in using large language models in professional settings. Um, about a year ago, we were all obsessed with Harvey AI, which mm. uh, was going to be uh, used by the likes of PricewaterhouseCoopers um, as a legal chatbot, chatbot internally, so that when associates, maybe even partners, needed to research something or come up with uh, a draft on a question, legal question that they had received, they could use Harvey AI, which would then go to this, uh, use um, PwC's own data as mm. a large language model for its own governance mm. and come up with guidelines. Quite interesting, you know, yeah. that idea of using AI uh, like that. Um, yeah. And it strikes me that you're not a million miles away from that, that idea. No, no, not at all. So, 
I think the Harvey AI is sort of an internal legal assistant tool. And I think all of these, there's a lot of companies trying to do this, which is effectively just streamlining uh, processes within these service organizations to use AI. And it's being done very effectively. Harvey AI is really leading the way and there's, there's a lot of companies. What I'm focused on doing is actually getting expert advice into the hands of entrepreneurs and into the hands of small business owners so that they don't have to go and ring up their accountant who's going to charge them, you know, 200, 300, 300 quid an hour uh, just to get like very simple advice to like be like, can I expense a coffee or, like, you know, can I expense office equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I actually think accountants as well, I've spoken to many of them, are the most excited about this because it's going to save them a lot of time too because they constantly have to go and check the law and you know they have to constantly update remind themselves of how, yeah. how to do things and and I almost think at the very beginning we'll get a lot more accountants using it than we will get business owners because look at the end of the day you're still going to need an accountant to file your taxes you can't rely on this system but it can give you it's you can use it as an educational tool and I think when it, for as an educational tool, it really works for accountants. Just briefly, what stage are you at? We're launching in early uh, January, so we're like we're like pre pre launch essentially for Fantastic. the sort of beta version. Yeah. Well, Connor Kelly, uh, founder of Taxbot.ie, and who is up for a Young AI Role Model Award. Um, Thank you very much for coming in and you, going David. through those range of topics. Very, very interesting. That's all we have time for. John Smith was on sound and JJ Clark produced from me, Adrian Weckler. You've been listening to The Big Tech Show and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. I saw your be good baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's be good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fiber, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today.